the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line with Philip Naiman. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, Vortex Optics, Vortex, the force of optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. And now your host, Philip Naiman. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. Hello, folks. Welcome to another edition of Firing Line Radio Show. This is Philip Naiman, your happy host. Check us out on our Facebook page at Firing Line Radio Show and join the group. Why do you want to join the group? You join the group because Facebook has some bad algorithms. You won't see all of our posts, but we have a lot of information, especially at the end of this month when uh, the California regulations are going to change as far as your purchasing of ammunition. You want to find out what's happening. So just click the little join group button. We'll put you inside and you'll see that information. Now, that's all of our homework. I want, I want to start this show off and give my guest as much time as possible here. Folks, I have Chad Bianco, the sheriff of Riverside County, a newly elected sheriff this year of Riverside County, who's been involved in a lot of changes over there. And actually, they're, they're very, very good for the Second Amendment folks out here. So uh, let me introduce you to Chad Bianco. Chad, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing very good. Thanks for having me on the show. You know, for those of of us who are just new to you as a sheriff here, give us a little bit of your background, your history. Where did you come from? You know, well, I won't I won't start too far back. I didn't come from California. Uh, I grew up in Utah. I moved here after um, I think I was twenty one. I think I was twenty one. Uh, moved out here. I met my wife in college uh, at the time, and uh, she was going to law school out here. So we moved. Uh, back here. She was from Riverside, so that was a natural place to move to. So in 89 is when I came here and uh, worked some construction jobs, Some worked for Fairview Ford in San Bernardino. And uh, then I put myself through San Bernardino Sheriff's Academy in 1993. And uh, the only agency that I really applied for that I wanted to work for was Riverside Sheriff. I lived there and that's really, that's where I wanted to work. So they picked me up after graduation and I've uh, been there ever since. Uh, so it's been, I'm coming up on 26 years now and it's been 26 great years there. Well, congratulations. And top job is, you know, hard fought and you won it and did a great job with that. So congratulations on that also. Thank you. Uh, tell people what are the sheriff's duties? Cause most of us just think you hang out with Barney Fife and, you know, sit back on a chair and put your feet up on the desk and, you know. That, that would that would be nice. I would I would like to find where that is. That would be a Mayberry RFD. Yeah, that would be a, that would be a, a probably a welcome change. That'd be nice to sit there for a day or for even for ten minutes. So, uh, so give somebody just a brief overview of what your what your day looks like. Uh, the sheriff's department is very very large, uh, and the our duties are wide ranging. So um, 
we we not only are responsible for patrol. Uh, typically, you see a deputy in a car, and you know we we go out just like police officers and fight crime. But we do it in the the unincorporated areas of the county, and then we have our contract cities that we contract with. So we are by far the largest law enforcement agency in the county. Um, we're actually the second largest uh, sheriff's department in the state, next to L.A., and we're the fourth largest in the country. So we are very large. Fourth largest in the country. Fourth largest sheriff's department in the country. Wow. So we are, we're a very large organization. Uh, similarly, right around here, Orange County and San Bernardino is a very, very similar demographically population and uh, department-wise with us. They're right there with us. Um, but um, it, it, we have we have many more things other than patrol. So in addition to the black and whites that you see out patrolling, uh, we obviously have to man our jails. Uh, we have five jails in the county and, uh, you know, about 3,700 inmates, um, close to 4,000 inmates is what we can, what we can hold. We're getting ready to open that additional jail in Indio that will increase us a little bit, about a thousand. Was that Indio or Blythe? It's in Indio. And that was the one that's been like built. Oh my gosh. It's been, well, it's been 10 years in the making and, uh, you know, we're about, we're coming up, I think on a year, uh, overrun past due. Uh, we're hoping to we're hoping to occupy that in August or September. Uh, it's it's definitely definitely needed for we, for our bed space situation. Yeah, we could use a thousand uh, felons off the street. That, right, I, I'm okay with that. Yeah, so so we we maintain our jails, uh, and within the jails, so uh, there's five jails. There's five jails. Then within our jails, obviously we house inmates, but we have rehabilitation uh, parts of our jails also, uh, and then we have uh, worker lease and confined management, where we the electronic management systems that we have, where the ankle bracelet programs, we monitor those, we uh, facilitate those. Um, we're working on part of our we we sub out inmates right now to our fire camps uh, the. We, with CDF mm-hmm. um, and they fight fires inmates fight fires they're prison inmates though um, we're working on a program right now where we're going to do it with uh, county inmates uh, it's uh, it looks like it's it's going to be a good program we'll be able to put more people uh, from the county instead of you know the state has a lot of different regulations that it limits the amount of people we can put in that program so this is going to help us a lot with space and obviously while we have those inmates is making Make them, them more, do something absolutely put them to use um, we get, especially with four fire, forest fires around here we definitely need the help so all of that goes along with corrections uh, but with corrections also it rolls right into court so we have to transport all of the inmates to to and from court uh, and we also man the courts we're responsible for court staffing court security uh, inside the jail are bailiffs which you would you know most people would would know the name bailiff that mm-hmm. it goes into court those are really sheriff's deputies uh, we're working on a program right now where we're going to switch back to a bailiff uh, so it's not a a full-time deputy sheriff it save a little bit of money uh, well, it, and the training, you know, you've got to, you, you train somebody to work patrol and they're in the courtroom. So different it doesn't make set. sense. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's a completely different skill set. And, and what we really hope to hope to do is to, um, attract maybe retired law enforcement officers from other states or even our state. And, you know, they want, they're not ready to, you know, they're, they're they not something to do. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a, it's obviously a completely different, uh, skill set. And it would save the county money. So we're definitely looking at that. Um, but then then after that, so we have the courts, the jails, patrol, and then I'm also the coroner. Uh, so we, years ago, they combined those duties in the in the county of Riverside. Several in the state have How many autopsies that. have you done, performed personally? I, I won't say. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm, I won't say. Uh, no, it's a, that's a unique relationship. So uh, I do have to be engaged with the coroner's bureau and signing off on death certificates and uh, you know those types of. It's. I mean, you wouldn't wow. think that that would happen, but then we're also the public administrator, and so any type of probate, you know, I'm responsible for all of that too. So the the office of sheriff in Riverside County is is very very. Um, diverse. Not only is it diverse being the top job, being the guy with the top job on that, but you're running basically a, a, a fairly large corporation. Yeah. You know, people don't understand this. You are responsible for the budget on that a little bit less than th- than uh, three quarters of a billion dollars. We've three quarters of a billion dollars, right? That's you know, a lot of responsibility. We just, we just missed that. We just submitted a budget for next year, our 1920 budget, and it was 741. Right. So we are just shy, you know, 4 million. I mean, when you get up that high, it, it might as well be three quarters <laughs> of a billion. That's hard to, that's hard to imagine. Um, yeah. We have 4,000 employees, uh, you know, running the jails, running the courts, running the patrol stations and with the employees that adds up. So you have 4,000 employees. Those aren't all patrol officers, Correct. obviously, uh, all the different duties that you have, a lot of administrative posts and so forth. How many guys are on the street? We have That's probably, always the we always, you know, we think yeah, about and, and it fluctuates so much. There's, there's probably around 1,600 uh, that fluctuates depending on how we can hire. Right now we're hiring a lot. Um, we're going to, we hope to get closer to 2,000 in the next two years. Uh, we have the money for it. We just have to hire the bodies. So we'll, we are increasing staffing. We're in a massive hiring campaign right now for not only deputies, but correctional deputies to work inside the jails. And then we, it, of course, we have everything else that goes along with it. Our office staff, our doctors, nurses, we have those that, that work inside our jail. So um, we we hire a I mean, we, it's a it's a huge business. It's a huge when yeah. you say a corporation, it really is. We have uh, you know, there's there's a lot for me to to oversee. I, I, I know. And you had very, very dark hair just a few months ago, and you're starting to get the salt and pepper look now, right? Yeah, we we saw a picture of just two years ago, and there's there's quite a bit more gray. <laughs> I keep blaming the, the girl that cuts my hair every time I go there. She's there's, only cutting the dark ones. That's right. Yeah, I, I, I must go to the same person. There's more white on that black gown that... <laughs> that's always a scary... Uh, I asked mine, I said, look, just give me a silver gown. Then I don't. And then you don't notice black it. Hair. That's right. It's good. Yeah. yeah. Didn't work. Anyway, um, it is a very stressful job, and you have a ton of responsibilities. One of the things I think that you've made some great changes on, and I want to talk about that when we come back from this commercial break, uh, is the CCW stance. And actually, um, if you can, we'll talk a little bit about the lawsuit that just came down and the judgment on that. Um, some of the things that were involved in that, where you stand today how people get involved in getting a CCW, uh, what is important to you about people who have them. And then we'll go on and we'll do my regular rants about bad guys because we hate criminals. We, we hear about all these laws about the Second Amendment. They want to restrict ownership from good citizens. And, and our bio, tagline is, it's the criminals, stupid. Put the criminals in jail, get them off our streets, and then, wow, crime suddenly drops. And we'll talk about some of the restrictions you're dealing with on that. Folks, Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show, with my special guest here, Chad Bianco, Sheriff of Riverside County. Sheriff, we'll be right back after this. Very good. A message from Vince, the owner of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo in Riverside. If you're a first-time gun owner or thinking about purchasing your first firearm, whether for hunting, home defense, or recreational shooting, it is important to take the next step 
and become a responsible gun owner. We highly recommend that you attend a certified firearm safety and training class, one that will teach you the basic knowledge, skills, and attitude essentials to the safe and efficient use of your firearm. As a law-abiding citizen, you have the right to self-defense, and with that right comes an obligation to educate yourself on the laws and safety procedures needed to use a firearm properly. For information about certified firearm training classes, call Bullseye Sport in Riverside at 951-823-0211 or check out their schedule of classes at bullseyesport.com. Because of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo, we believe in safety first. 951-823-0211. Pull! Whether you're a gold medalist or new to the sport of shooting, you'll love Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, where Olympians shoot. Prado's shotgun facility is world-class, offering trap, skeet, and five-stand. And the pistol and rifle ranges are safe and enjoyable shooting environments with professionals there to answer all your questions. Are you an experienced pistol shooter with an itch to take your skills to the next level? Discover the sport of practical shooting at one of the monthly events. Prado hosts ISPC shooting events open to the public every first and third Sunday with Prado Running Gun Club, blending accuracy, power, and speed with challenging multiple moving targets, penalty targets, and obstacles. Prado Olympic Shooting Park is a great place to teach your whole family about the safe and effective use of firearms. Bring the whole family for an exciting day at the shooting range. Call Prado Olympic Shooting Park at 909-597-4518. Online at shootprado.com. 909-597-4518. AM 590. The answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside and the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. Hey, folks, every week on the Firing Line Radio Show, you know our conversation is going to revolve around firearms, hunting, gun rights, everything afforded to all Americans under the Second Amendment of the Constitution. Now, our faithful stalwart companion in the battle to uphold these rights has been Firing Line Radio Show's longtime sponsor, Vince Torres at Bullseye Sports, Guns, and Ammo in Riverside. Now, if you're not armed for protection or recreation... Shame on you. But head on down to Bullseye Sport in Riverside where you need to go for handguns, rifles, shotguns, ammo, accessories, and much more. Go to Bullseye's and stock up on ammo before July 1st when the full effects of AB63 kick in. Take advantage of some great deals by placing your prepaid order for great brands like Magtech, Cellular, and Belliot, Federal, and Winchester. For more information, call the store, 951-823-0211. That's 951-823-0211. Check out their website, bullseyesport.com. That's Bullseye Sports Guns and Ammo on Brockton between Arlington and Central and Riverside. Bullseye Sport, where the Inland Empire gets their guns and ammo. Well, you know, we have a... a law going into effect under AB 63 that is going to require registration to purchase ammunition after July 1st. Uh, DOJ has just released this week a new thing that, oh, by the way, if you want to buy information, you have to have a a real California ID. Your regular driver's license uh, doesn't work anymore. Now, how do you like them apples? It's, you know, there's, it's just one law and regulation after another that the the current legislation feels that they need to pass that really uh, has zero impact of public safety and it has absolutely nothing to do with fighting crime or helping us law enforcement uh, fight crime or protect our our residents Uh, i can promise you this there will not be one crime committed with someone that goes in and buys their 
ammunition at bullseye or wherever else they choose to do it. Um, That's not how criminals work. They don't do it right. What? They break the law? Imagine that. Imagine that. So it's the the, criminals. The the laws that have to do with, uh, you know, our, our firearms laws and restrictions, those are only for you and I. Those are those are not for a criminal because they're criminals. criminals. They they don't care what law you pass. You get this. Yeah, oh yeah, I get it. Yeah, Unfortunately, get our legislature <laughs> does not. Well, I, I, you know, I think it's more insidious than that. Of course, that you know, I have a little tinfoil hat going on, but it has to be by design. They can't be that stupid. No, I th- I think it really is by design. It's it's by design of. Uh, Honestly, I mean, you don't want to be the tinfoil hat guy, but are this legislature, this this state, our current state government is really leading toward socialism and the the part of of our country that made us great. They don't want it anymore. No, they keep pushing it to other states. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, let's talk about some of the numbers here. About about every year's changes. And I'm not sure the most current numbers from the FBI, but I think. It's two years old or so. About thirty-two thousand people a year in the, in America die in relationship to a firearm. Mm-hmm. Okay, they call them homicides, firearm homicides, but they're not thirty-two thousand murders. Correct. Over nineteen thousand of that thirty-two thousand are suicides. Tragic in its own right, but it kind of describes what the person's heart is. They've, it's a loss of hope. Nineteen thousand people, for whatever reason. Uh, have committed suicide in America, not California, not Riverside County, in, in the entire country. Then it boils down to the next largest block of those are people involved in drugs and gang activities, which is between 8,500 and 9,000 a year, right? Correct. So right now we're at 27,000 out of 32 that either committed suicide or involved in criminal activities. There's roughly... And the most tragic number is about three to 500 a year. There are accidents, and obviously we want to curb those. But true murders in the nation are roughly about 2,300, 2,500. Probably around there. That are truly a murder. So speak a little bit about that, if you will. You know, the, the reality of, of gun violence is if you are not involved in some type of, a, of criminal activity, you're probably not going to be the victim of gun violence. Um, there yeah, are always those Shazam exceptions. Batman, there's, right? Yes, there's the, 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 those 2,400 that, that were. Uh, and then what part of those were domestic violence? Uh, you know, there, there's, there's other little issues in there. But the, the agenda or what, they, what the, the media or the um, whatever political arm wants to uh, label gun violence as this horrible thing, that this epidemic in the country, it really isn't. Um, it goes back to what we just said earlier about changing the laws and changing um, you know, the, the way government interacts with us and, and changing this country is you can't you, – you have to do away with guns if you want the government to take control. I mean that was the purpose of the Second Amendment was so the government could not take control of us again like our founding fathers experienced in their lives. Yeah, they just went through a little bit of a hellacious war. Yes. By the way, you know, the 4th of July is coming up. We like to call that, um, hey, Britain, you're number two, silver medal day for uh, for Great Britain. Sure. Yes. <laughs> my, my daughter's going to be in England on July 4th. Nice. And I asked her, I said, honey, do you, how do they celebrate the 4th of July? Like, we're number two, <laughs> we're number two. How's, how's that work? <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Sorry. Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, 
I, I, I've told numerous people. I, I've even I've told my wife. You know, she 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 hears the stories of murders and you know of of home invasions and you know people being murdered, and she's worried. She's she's afraid. But you know, I've told her we we really have. There is very, very slim chance, if if any, that we would be the victim of that type of crime because we're not involved in that type of behavior. Right. So it's a it's a birds of a feather. Yeah. You you this the argument of guns is not based on fact. It's based on emotion. And yes. when you when you flash a a child being you know randomly shot or um, you know some of the mass shootings that we've had that that gets an emotional response, not a logical response. Uh, because logic would do away with it. So, but it's hard to fight that emotional response because it is, it is a horrible tragedy. And it's fed. It's fed in the media twenty four seven. You know, um, they always see the big picture of an AR fifteen. You know, they they say, look at how. I remember this clip on the news. They're saying how powerful this AR fifteen was, and it shows a picture of a guy with a shotgun shooting a watermelon. It's like, you know, it's, it's ridiculous that. Um, the amount of propaganda that's pushed out there now and Sally May who's sitting at home watching television is like oh my gosh you know she has no idea that this is false narrative being pushed on her yeah somebody somebody famous i forget who it was calls it um fake news i forget who that is yeah I'm not yeah. sure who that is but i've heard it once or twice <laughs> But it is. It's it's a propaganda mass that we're looking at. And those are some of the things that we need to talk about. Um let's talk about homelessness. Everybody keeps talking about homelessness. It's actually lawlessness, but um, we just call them the lawless groups, right? How, how is Riverside County dealing with that? You know, it's uh, our situation is getting worse. Uh, it's becoming more and more of a quality of life issue in every one of our cities. I'm glad they built that nice river trail that nobody can ride on anymore because they're afraid of getting mugged. That's that's true. I've I've heard that also. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely a concern of ours. And as first responders, we are the, we are the people that respond when you call 911 to report it, whether, uh, you feel like you're being assaulted or you feel like you're being confronted or in danger, uh, or they're just bothering you in front of your business or, or whatever the case may be there. It hurts business really. Yeah, it does. Uh, so we are the first responders and we are routinely having to go out to more and more of those calls. Uh, it's a, it's a very interesting phenomenon that, you know, our, again, our legislatures will not admit what the problem is. I'm hearing now, you know, they just want to dump more money and build more houses. Um, I saw a statistic, something, I, I don't know if it's correct, but um, one of our, our politicians posted in social media yesterday that city of LA spends $600 million a year on homelessness and they are the worst ever. And it just keeps getting worse and worse, but yet they just want to dump more money. And I will say I, I we talked about this offline, but um, you know a lot of our homelessness is a direct response to our current laws that our legislatures have done in the last three to five years. Prop forty seven, Prop fifty seven, AB one hundred nine. All the ones the law enforcement said, please don't do. Absolutely, they absolutely they have they're basically decriminalizing criminal behavior, mm -hmm. and then wondering why there's a drug epidemic and why there are addiction epidemics and the homeless. The the real story of the homeless is the vast majority of them are drug induced or drug addicted. They they have a serious addiction problem. And years ago, we could we would force them into rehab. You either went to prison or you went to rehab, and they went into rehab. So at least for a while, they were good. Sometimes they they were able to fix themselves, and they were able to be a productive member of society. Sometimes they fell back out, and we would get them into the system again and hopefully help them. But those days are gone. We can no longer do that. They you don't have that tool in your toolbox. Absolutely. That that the teeth were gone out of that. So we can no longer say you're going to go to prison or jail or go into drug rehab. Drug rehab is the obvious 
answer and we can't use that anymore. So, um, and you can't use prison or jail. That's right. Say, Hey, you're going to have to listen to me tell you not to do this again, or I'm going to come back and tell you not to do it again. Cause there's nothing they can do. Here's your citation. Oh, put it next to the other citations you've got that you never showed up on. Right. And they, they're, and they're making, they're making drug use non-criminal. So they're basically saying you can commit a crime. You're not going to go to jail. You can use all the drugs that you want to where you can't function in society, and then the rest of us are going to pay for everything about you: your medical care, your you know your health care, your housing, your um, and that's why food we and that's why we vote Democrats because we want more of that. Folks, Philip Neyman, Firing Line Radio Show. We'll be right back after this. Are you an expert marksman looking for a clean, safe place to shoot? Or maybe you've never shot a gun but want to learn? Well, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range is the best place to work on your shooting skills, no matter what your experience level is. With 21,000 square feet of indoor range space, 35 shooting lanes, and an electronic target retrieval system, it means no line breaks and more trigger time. The friendly people at Riverside Indoor Shooting Range can answer all your questions about firearms training, self-defense training, firearm rentals, gunsmithing, archery, and more. And for the ladies, the Riverside chapter of The Well-Armed Woman meets there the second Tuesday of each month for women of all experience levels. Looking for a great holiday gift for the shooting enthusiast in your life? During the month of December, get 10% off a full year's membership or 10% off any gift certificate of $40 or more. Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. For directions and info, log on to RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. That's RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. AM590. The answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by CCW Safe by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. Spartans, lay down your weapons. Persians, come and get them. Hello, folks. Welcome to another edition of Firing Line Radio Show. Welcome back to our edition of Firing Line Radio Show with Chad Bianco, Sheriff of Riverside County. This is Philip Naiman. Check us out on our Firing Line Radio Show. Facebook page and group. The podcasts are available at FiringLineRadio.com. Subscribe to our podcast and you just might win a McMillan MC3 polymer stock. How much does it cost to subscribe? Nothing. How much is the stock worth? Everything. So subscribe to the podcast. We're going to do a random drawing. Uh, There's only two rules. Rule number one, no whiners. Rule number two, refer to rule number one. We'll just give this one out and see how that works. So joining me back, I have Chad Bianco. Chad is the newly elected sheriff. A lot of changes in Riverside County. We've talked about some of the challenges that a sheriff has. Now let's talk about some of the changes you've made. And specifically, what my listeners want to hear about are CCWs. Absolutely. What's your What's your philosophy on carrying concealed weapons and permits? You know, I'm a, I, I definitely am a firm believer in the Second Amendment. I believe there are two distinct parts. You have the right to keep and the right to bear. Uh, with that, there are, we have state regulations that, uh, that require certain conditions be met and they, uh, they leave what, what that are those conditions, basically good moral character. And, um, unfortunately in this state for, for some people, a good cause, uh, but they leave that to the sheriff, the sheriff. and it is 100% up to the uh, the sheriff in each county, and then they, they break that down a little bit where you can get it, the law enforcement officer in your city, so it can be a chief of police. But for the most part, for practical purposes, it's the sheriff of each county that's responsible for issuing uh, concealed weapons permits. Can a sheriff stop a police chief from issuing? No. So if you lived in the city of West Covina, you're in L.A. County, and you can't get a CCW, the chief of police of that city could 
yes. issue on. Yes. Yes, correct. They don't, but they could. They don't, but they could. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's much, it, it's very similar to the past couple of years in, in our county where we had cities that typically did not uh, issue CCWs. We're starting to issue CCWs after, you know, really the, the demands or the requests of their residents after because December they couldn't. December 2nd, 2015. Well, that's debatable. But yes, you know, something like that. Um, and because they couldn't get it, in a timely manner through the sheriff's department, they were demanding it from their city chiefs mm-hmm. and the city chiefs, you know, some of them decided that they were going to do it. So, um, it, one does not have control over the other. It's left up, you know, based from the constitution, the laws in our state is that it's the, the sheriff of the County or the person in charge of law enforcement for the city. So for instance, the city of Reno Valley, it's still the sheriff. You don't get to go to the chief of police. I'm in charge of for Moreno Valley. Yeah. So um, I, I'm a firm believer in CCWs. I believe that uh, uh, I, I do not believe that criminals are going to come to my office, uh, fill out forms, give me their fingerprints, take a training class and ask me permission to to carry a concealed weapon. Uh, they're just going to do it. And we've already talked about this. They're criminals. So a, a law abiding citizen that is not prevented um, criminally or mentally uh, in my opinion, should have a CCW if they want one. So somebody comes in, fills out. Is the application online now? We have changed it to an online application. It takes. It took me 11 minutes, but in that 11 minutes, I had to answer a question from my daughter. So it, it's less than 10 minutes. You can fill out that application. You pick your own date. Um, the dates now are um, typically about three weeks out. So um, three weeks, three weeks out. So the shortest we've done so far is from start to finish, from application to issuance was 17 days. Um, That, of course, that person had all of their information ready to go. They'd already done their training. They already had their forms. Uh, So you don't have to you can do the training prior to doing an application. Absolutely. Okay, that's good to know. Absolutely. See, the, the, the difference, I guess, is um in the past you weren't really sure if you're going to get one uh you should know criminally whether or not you're prevented and if you're not criminally prevented there should be no reason why you wouldn't get one uh so you can do the training beforehand you can fill out all the forms you can do your fingerprints and then you're just limited time wise of when you can when we can get you in for that for that interview uh historically even though you weren't a criminal it you may not get one. They they may turn you down for whatever reason. And um, we're, we're kind of streamlining that whole process. And I, I don't, regardless of what everyone has been told in the past, um, I don't believe what the prior sheriff did. And he didn't believe what he publicly said he believed. So um, I've done nothing different other than cared about issuing CCWs. And so we're substantially increasing our numbers and, and more than likely we're on track for this year. We'll probably issue the same amount of permits than what we had when we took, when I took over. So what was it? 3000, you know, it was somewhere around there. It was, it was maybe it was, you know, there were different numbers that were thrown out all the time. Some, you know, so basically you're doubling the size of your CCWs in the first year. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. We're, um, we're coming up on, if we haven't surpassed it already, we're right at, um, right at, right at about the 6,000 number. Um, historically on our department, we've been around 2,000, uh, campaign reasons. Um, they increased a little bit, 
3,500, 3,600 to 4,000, more than likely somewhere around there is what, what there was when I took over. So and, there was just a recent lawsuit that was settled. Yes. Regarding the second, uh, the CCWs in Riverside County. Yes. Can you speak to that? Uh, I, I don't remember the person's name and it, it was a long, hard, I don't know if I could pronounce it if I could remember it, but uh, he applied or he attempted to apply for a CCW. He was a, he was a legal resident of the United States, but he was a citizen of another country. And I I believe it was a European country or something, regardless, it doesn't matter. But, uh, he was denied applying because he, he wasn't a, a citizen of the United States. And, and that's not legally, that's not a requirement. You just have to be a legal resident of California. And, uh, so he sued one of the gun groups. Um, I'm, I don't even remember which one it was, uh, but I know it was backed. The lawsuit was backed by a, by a California gun group Mm -hmm. and, uh, they brought suit against the County. And obviously we were in the wrong and, uh, it had to be settled. And I mean, with, with me, I mean, that, that would have been fixed anyway. It, I mean, I, I, I am going strictly by the law. Uh, I'm not imposing my own restrictions, my own laws. Uh, it, it's exa- it's exactly what the California laws say. Well, the, I like the old uh, system under LASO with a certain, was it Baca? Was it, was that, was it Sheriff he was Baca? One. Lee Baca, he, right? He was a Yeah, he yes. had, a little, had a little side club with enough donation. Yeah. You got yourself a badge and a CCW. Yeah, that seems to be a common practice in... Uh, that's the only way to get one in L.A. County. Yeah. yeah. And Orange Back County then. had the same problem. And my Corona. Yeah. And hey, where's he these days? Uh, I don't know. Oh, happened to Baca, too. A little corruption there, wasn't it, too? Hmm. Yeah. Imagine that. Top dog. Yeah, it's amazing. When, when you forget that you, that you are working for the people and you're a servant of the people, uh, it becomes more about you and the power becomes about you and you make, your, you make yourself more important than what you really are. And I think that's where that, that power and that corruption comes in. I tell you, definitely, I met Lee Baca, and, and definitely he was in that category. Bizarre yeah. man. Okay, well, he's gone now. Yes, and, and we've, we've, we really have fixed our, our CCW process, and uh, I encourage everybody to, suppl- everybody to apply. Everyone that wants one you know, should apply. Um, and I will say, everyone doesn't get, everyone doesn't get approved. Uh, you know, that's, so what's a disqualifying event? Um, obviously, a criminal background um you can't be convicted of a felony and certain misdemeanors prevent you so you from, can't own a firearm if you're convicted of a felony exactly so what are the misdemeanors uh domestic violence some batteries terrorist threats those types of things um there's there's just a, misdemeanors come on yeah well you didn't it, go to jail for that anymore. It, it shows a it shows a, a propensity to some type of uh some type of violence or some type of non-civil conduct so let's talk about domestic violence if somebody has a misdemeanor domestic violence now i am Surmising, I am not in law enforcement, but it seems to me that if he's convicted for misdemeanor domestic violence, he probably committed a felony misdemeanor, a felony domestic violence, and somebody jacked it down to a misdemeanor. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. You know, you don't, uh, you know, you. I mean, I don't know. You go back to to morals and ethics and and how we're raised. Um, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, I don't feel like I'm old, but um, how old are you? Fifty one. Um, you are not old because I'm older than you, so you are actually quite young. I'm sure. <laughs> well, in any rate, I don't. Uh, I. It wasn't that long ago that I was a kid and growing up, and um, we were raised that you, there are there's no violence toward women. Um, I mean, you didn't. That didn't happen. I mean, 
and now we're at a point where it, it's not like that anymore. And well, there's no, and again, it comes down to so many things that there's just no repercussion for behavior. Right. There's I mean, no. There's nothing. Nothing bad ever happens to me. Right. Right. And you know, realistically, if you can't, uh, if you can't control your temper with your spouse. You're not going to control your temper with someone you don't know. So the whole issue with CCW and domestic violence, number one, we have to protect the spouse yeah. uh, or the ex-spouse, whatever the case may be. Yeah. But also you're showing a propensity to violence of supposedly someone you love, now someone that you don't even yeah. know. D- d- domestic violence is a, well, it's a horrific event and it, it's usually where most of the right. most of the murders come from, right? Mm-hmm. Folks, Philip Neyman, Fireland Radio Show, we'll be right back the last session after this. If you carry a concealed weapon and own a concealed carry permit, you need protection beyond the weapon. My name is Larry Vickers, and I am a retired veteran of U.S. Special Operations, and I now teach law enforcement, civilians, and members of our military in advanced firearm training. I train people to use their firearms in almost any situation, but I can't prepare them for what happens if they are forced to use a gun to save their lives. That's why I use CCW Safe. They offer membership plans for concealed carry permit holders, and if members are involved in a use-of-force incident, CCW Safe provides expert witnesses, investigators, and the best defense attorneys in the U.S. Yearly plans range from $99 for a single membership to $150 for a dual membership, and special plans are available for law enforcement and military. Members are required to have a valid concealed carry permit and must maintain their permit. Visit ccwsafe.com today. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Conan, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of the women. And to apply for your CCW. Folks, Philip Neyman, Firingland Radio Show. Check us out at firinglandradio.com for the podcast. If you subscribe to the podcast, you have an opportunity to win a McMillan MC3 polymer stock for Remington 700 right hand only. Great stocks, a uh, great way to upgrade uh, a simple Remington 700, but you have to subscribe to the podcast. I do have some of these to give away, tactical version and the hunting tradition version. So... We'll mix and match, let you know what you need on that. But you have to subscribe to the podcast. Why do you want to subscribe to the podcast? Because we have great guests like Chad Bianco, Sheriff of Riverside County, joining me here. The man who's, was that 3,000 CCWs last year? Roughly around there. It was, or, a, little on more, track it was a little bit more than that, yeah. On track for doubling the amount of CCW holders in Riverside County his first year of office. So thank you for that, and congratulations for that. Um we are talking a little bit about some of the frustrations that law enforcement sees, and we see those as civilians all the time. You're, you're driving down the road, and you get off on the off-ramp on the freeway, and it's just covered in trash and bags of poop, and just it's a, it looks like you're, looks like you're someplace you don't want to be, and, and this is your home, and, and you're always looking for a solution. How do we make this go away? And we're talking about some of the barriers, the lawlessness that's been allowed by our state legislature and the court systems kind of enforced upon the people trying to enforce the laws. Correct. Yeah. It's, uh, it's getting overwhelming almost. And, you know, we go out there every day and we try and do our, our absolute best with, with the, the cards that are dealt us. Uh, but it's just getting more and more difficult, uh, to do that. Well, how is it for the, let's just say that in the past you said you could force somebody into treatment. 
at least get them three weeks a year of non-drug use, right? right? How is it working out for these lawless people living in the riverbeds? Is it they're victim? You know, they look like hell to like Instagram models. I mean, are we we're we talking about people just living a great lifestyle that's so beneficial to them? You know, it's a. I, I think there's probably a mix of everything. There are some that that obviously have severe, severe mental issues that that are there. There are very few, uh, for the most part. That is a. It's a chosen lifestyle that they're they're choosing to do that. And I mean, there there are a lot of benefits to it if you if you're acceptable to that. If you, you're an outlaw, well, absolutely. And you know, sometimes I say I, I tell people if there's a homeless issue in your in your city, it's your fault. You know, and it, it also it, it says that we're kind of a good people because they're only there because we're giving them money. So en- enabling it, the behavior. Absolutely. So, you know, they they have their homeless camps, they have their groups that they go out and they they people bring them food. Well, they they bring them food, they give their money, they pool all their resources, they share it. Um they have their they have their crews that go out and hit these freeway off-ramps and these uh you know intersections where they're asking for money and that's a lifestyle for them. We uh, we have a good program that we're that we're working with in the county, our hot team. We have a homeless um outreach team that works with other entities in the county that we're trying to get housing for for them, but they have to agree to it. And finding someone that agrees to free housing is not an easy task. They they don't want to abide by the the alcohol free and the drug free and the rules and the and the the noise and and the any restrictions that you put on them. Called civilization. Yeah. So the majority of the people that we're dealing with are choosing this lifestyle. So you can build all the houses that you want for them, they're not going to live in them because there are rules and restrictions there. There are no rules and restrictions in the park or the riverbed. And that's why they're there. And they keep making a lot of money. And some of them are making more than what our, our hardworking folks are making. And it's a it, it's beneficial to them. So uh, by passing laws that make it illegal for us to remove them from our parks, uh, to remove them from our, our sidewalks and, and, and help that situation is it's not helping the law abiding citizen. So I think we need to, well, of course this would make you the most hated man in law enforcement, but I think what we need to do is we actually need to find the people impeding traffic to give them money. Look, you got a freeway off ramp. I'm waiting through three red lights to get off on Adams and the 91 already. And then this moron in front of me wants to stop on a green light and hand out a $5 bill to, so a guy can go get a tab of heroin. Um, you know what? I think that person needs to be <laughs> fined about $8,000. Um, and, you know, you just hit those guys every now and then and like, wait, wait, I can't afford to give this guy a $5 bill because I might get charged. You know, yeah. I don't know. You know if we can a, give penalties for a cell phone use, we can give penalties for that. Right. It, it's a criminal and a social issue. Uh, a lot of things that they do is criminal, obviously, with the drug use. But when you when you make that not a crime, then you're making it a social issue, yeah. and a health issue. And so one way or another, we're going to have to address it. But. Right now, it's just being ignored, and it's being ignored as it grows. Absolutely, it's a tumor. Yeah, and it's so now a- it's only becoming an issue because too many good residents are bringing it up to the politicians, saying, "Fix my city you, that you've neglected for so long because we're getting overrun," and it's almost too late now because the laws that they've passed in the last couple of years are preventing that. Yeah. So it's a you know they they do need help they they need they need to be forced into receiving medical treatment or mental health treatment or having the drugs taken or away. an addiction problem. Yeah. But um, you can only offer them that you can't make them do it. 
and that that's really the the place that we're at um, we in law enforcement we just we we go do the best that we can every day and we have to realize that um, we still have to address every issue we still have to answer those calls for service and uh, we can't get frustrated and that's the battle of, of a leader in law enforcement is making sure that the troops aren't getting frustrated with the lack of help that they're getting from politicians. We just have to do our job and we have to do everything we can uh, to help the law abiding people uh, with their quality of life issues. Well, thank you for trying to try and to take care of that. Cause it's, it's definitely, uh, definitely a, a different thing. Hey, on our last section, we were talking about domestic violence and how that seems to, you know, what are the, st- there's a big statistic about if you are one of the few people murdered, you're probably going to be murdered by somebody in your family. Yeah. You know, domestic violence is a is an enormous issue in this country and uh, it really is in law enforcement. Right. So when it comes to domestic violence, what percentage would you say of domestic violence has alcohol abuse attached to it? I would probably say the majority, either alcohol or and or drug. Um really most of the issues that law enforcement deals with is alcohol and or drug related. So we should just legalize it all, and then there's no issues for law enforcement, right? Right. Then we can't say it's... Well, you have a coroner, so you still scoop up the dead bodies. Yeah. Yes, you still absolutely. Be busy. So it's a, it is it is a big issue, and, and we, there has to be something, you know, for these women and men, and I mean, it's not a, it's not a, a sex, you know, one way or the other. It's both our victims sometimes, and um, there, there has to be more of a, a public outreach, a public outcry to help people make the decision to get away from these victimizers because if you um quite honestly you know the the domestic violence didn't start today you know we unfortunately lost a, a sacramento police officer yesterday 26 years old she's only been a cop for six months uh she was helping a domestic violence victim uh, retrieve property from her house and she was murdered um the the fact of that situation, and I don't know it, but I can tell you that um, if we found out the truth of that relationship that brought that officer there, that wasn't the first time. Right. And we have to we have to empower these men or women uh, to to move away from that situation because uh, these things happen. And in, in our line of work, we know that if we're going to be injured or killed, it's probably going to have something to do with domestic violence. Uh, we treat those calls different, and this there were six officers there, and she still lost her life so it 's um domestic violence is a major major issue um, honestly it 's one that my wife is obsessed with. Um, she feels that she is in this position uh, of of being my wife uh, to have some type of outreach uh, to to deal with domestic violence victims she 's also a trained attorney isn 't she um, no um, no my ex wife um, is an attorney my current wife is not. Um, um, I'm on my second and we, we all practice the first time I think, but, um, (laughs) no, she's, she's, uh, she's involved in sales. Uh, but she really, um, this is a personal thing for her and she really feels that my position now and her position being there with me, uh, could be really used for domestic violence. I think that's awesome to use it for a use like that because so many people just get on the soapbox you know, and, and run with something. So, you know, it is so critical and that could be such a life-saving event to have those people change. And there's so many good groups out there that are reaching out and trying to, to give that. So just to coordinate, I think, you know, hats off uh, to your wife on that. Um, Anyway, so folks, I want to thank my special guest, Chad Bianco, Riverside County Sheriff. He's here for four more years, or a total of four years, and then he runs again. So hopefully he'll, how many, 
re-election is going to do? Seven, Defend, nine, twelve, something okay. like that. Until we're everybody, we're going to go until we're finished, and I'm not going to put a I'm not going to put a time on it. Well, fifty one, a very young man, very young, because I'm still young. So you're very young. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank him as a special guest. Check it out online, Riverside, your your website for the CCWs. RiversideSheriff.org, and you can click on the link there. Yes. Set it out 10 minutes. You can do your application. Do not whine to me anymore that you can't get a CCW. Absolutely. Chad, thank you very much. Thanks, Bob. Bye, folks. Have a great weekend. God bless. Shoot, Felipe. Shoot. When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, Vortex Optics, Vortex, the force of optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.